0: and welcome to Sharks Pond a South Park podcast. I'm your host Bill and this episode gonna be talking about well kind of a tribute episode if you kinda think of it because the guys at South Park are paying homage to I think probably one of the biggest cult movies of all time with the movie Heavy Metal in the episode known as Major Boobage. So before before I get into the episode, and I actually do have thoughts on this well, obviously I have thoughts on this episode because if I didn't, I wouldn't be talking. No, I want to talk about the movie that it is being made or it is doing a tribute of today, which is heavy metal. Now, Heavy Metal is a 1981 Canadian American adult animated sci fi anthology film. Try saying that five times fast. Directed by Gerald Potterton, produced by Ivan Reitman and Leonard Mogul, who also was the publisher of Heavy Metal magazine, which was the basis for the film. The screenplay was written by Daniel Goldberg and Len Blum. And the people that lend their voice to this movie is almost like a who's who: Roger Bumpass, Jackie Burroughs, John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Don Franks, Martin LaVotte, Marilyn Lightstone, Eugene Levy, Alice Playden, Harold Ramis, Susan Roman, Richard Romanus, August Schellenberg, John Vernon, and Zal Yanovsky are the people who are in or who lend their voices in the movie. As I said, the film is an anthology of various sci-fi and fantasy stories adapted from the heavy metal magazine and original stories in the same spirit. Like the magazine, the film features a great deal of graphic violence, sexuality, and nudity. Its production was expedited by having several animation houses working simultaneously on different segments. Despite the mixed reviews by film critics on its initial release, the film was a modest success at the box office and has since achieved cult status. Now, if you were to say to me, Bill, I want you to describe the plot of the movie, there is no freaking way I think I could do that successfully. I just don't think it can be done. So... I'll give it another... I'll I'll go in another way on this. The best way to describe this movie, or to give a plot, is there is this kind of, like, orb, this green glowing orb that comes to Earth, and this little girl discovers it, and she gets scared, and this orb tells like this, all these different stories, and then, at the end of the movie, the girl ends up becoming a woman, and she kind of ends up, I, I believe, being like the chosen one, and, you know, she fights this orb, kills it, it's a creature, and you know, goes on to save all of humanity, really, really would be the best way for me to describe the movie, if I could, um, so, as far as the movie goes, um, oh, geez, this movie, it, it, you do have to see it at least once, I will say that, you have to see this movie At least once in your life, if you've never seen this movie. I'm sure people have heard of the movie, but they've never seen the movie. So, as I said in the description, this movie was successful at the box office. It had a $9 million budget and brought in $20 million at the box office, which is pretty good. Uh, The reception of the film is met with mixed response. Rotten Tomatoes reports that 60% of the critics have given the film a positive review based on 30 reviews with an average rating of 5.7 out of 10. And the critical consensus, it's sexist, juvenile and dated, but heavy metal makes up for it in flo- makes up for its flaws with eye-popping animation and a classic smartly used soundtrack, which I will I will talk about the soundtrack in a little bit. Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote that, For anyone who doesn't think an hour and a half is a long time to spend with a comic book, heavy metal is impressive. And she noted that the film was scored very well with music much less ear-splitting than the title would suggest. Variety declared, Initial segments have a boisterous blend of dynamic graphics, intriguing plot premises, and sly wit that unfortunately slide gradually downhill. Still, the net effect is an overridingly positive one and will likely find its way into upbeat word of mouth. Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave the film three stars, writing that it isn't intended for close scrutiny on a literal level. The film clearly is intended as a trip, and on that level, it works very nicely. He criticized the film as blatantly sexist and for having wildly romanticized violence. Sheila Benson of the Los Angeles Times wrote, Somehow a great deal of the charm of the magazine leaked out out on the way to the movie house, but all of the sadism stayed put. And then some. It's the most expensive adolescent fantasy revenge fulfillment wet dream ever to slither onto a screen. John Pime of the Monthly Film Bulletin found that it was, to put it mildly, Something of a hodgepodge. Film historian and critic Leonard Moulton gave the film three stars out of four in his movie guide, calling the feature, Uneven, but great fun on a mindless adolescent level. On the whole, in terms of individual segments, critics were typically most favorable towards the Den story. Critic Janet Maslin gave the film a positive review in the New York Times. She said, The other highly memorable story is about a bookworm from Earth who winds up on another planet where his spindly body is transformed into that of an extraterrestrial Hercules. She also complimented John Candy's vocal performance as Den. Christopher John reviewed Heavy Metal in Ares Magazine number 11 and said, Sadly, what could have been a true boost for animation in this country is a weak, opportunistic failure put together with very little care and no love at all. Okay, so my thoughts on this movie. I There are parts of this movie that I love. Like, there are some parts. The part uh, about Den that was talked about, that is a good story. That is, that is a good story um, in the movie. Another one I like is Captain Stern. That's kind of a... <coughs> Excuse me, it's kind of a weird but funny kind of story. But my favorite one, my favorite one uh, from the movie is called So Beautiful and So Dangerous. So I'm going to read the description and I'll tell you who's in this. Dr. Anrak, a prominent scientist, arrives at the Pentagon for a meeting regarding mysterious mutations that are plaguing the United States. At the meeting, the Doctor tries to dismiss the occurrences. When he sees the Lochnar in the Locket of Gloria, a beautiful, booksome stenographer, he begins to behave erratically and sexually assaults her. A colossal starship drills through the hole and abducts the Doctor and, by accident, Gloria. The ship's robot is irritated at Anrak. Excuse me, who is actually a malfunctioning android, (coughs) but its mood changes when it sees Gloria. With the help of the ship's alien pilot Edsel and co-pilot Zeke, the robot convinces Gloria to stay on board and have robot sex, although it is off screen. Meanwhile, Edsel and Zeke snort a huge amount of a powdered drug called Plutonian Nyborg before flying home, zoning out on the cosmos. Too intoxicated to fly straight, they crash land unharmed in a huge space station. Uh, John Candy is the voice of the robot. Uh, Roger Bumpass is Dr. Androck. Joe Flaherty is the general. Eugene Levy is in this. He is Edsel. Harold Ramis Ramis is Zeke. Alice Payton is Gloria. Uh, That's my favorite one. And one of the things I do like about this movie is the animation. The animation is just unbelievable. It is so many different styles of animation that it's just amazing how they change it from one way to another to another to another. Now, my problem is i think the plot is a little bit all over the place but some of the you know some of the uh, the short stories are really good it's just the whole like trying to stay into the main plot is a little hard but i kind of understand why uh if i was to give this movie a rating like if I, you know, if I was to do a star rating uh, on a four star scale, I'd say it's about a two and a half out of four for me. Not saying I hated it. I thought it was good, but I'm not that big of a fan of it. Um, Now, if we're doing like the five star scale, it probably would be a three. So now on IMDB, and I'm not going to go through the reviews. I'm not. Uh, Its average rating is a 6.7 out of 10. But, if you are going to watch this movie, if you are going to watch this movie, you have to pay attention to the soundtrack. This is one of, and I'm going to be very honest here, I think this is one of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. The LP was released in 1981 but for legal reasons, was not released on CD until 1995. The album peaked at number 12 on the Billboard 200 chart. Um, The the film's theme song, Heavy Metal Taking a Ride, was sung by Don Felder. It was released as a single in the U.S. and made it to number 43 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 5 on the mainstream rock chart. Now, the roster. Oh, my Lord. The roster uh, on this soundtrack. And I I know you guys are wanting a South Park episode review. I'm going to get to it, but i got to talk about the soundtrack. Holy shit, is it amazing. Sammy Hagar sings Heavy Metal, the the original version. Uh, Besides Hagar and Don Felder, you have Riggs, Devo, Blue Oyster Cult, Cheap Trick, Donald Fagan, Nazareth, Journey, Grand Funk Railroad, Black Sabbath, Trust, and Stevie Nicks. You're not going to find another compilation album or soundtrack album like that where you could say Stevie Nicks and Black Sabbath are on the same album. You're not. You're just not my favorite track on the album is number 14 Don Felder with all of you it is such an amazing song oh my god it is so good it is absolutely amazing um and then and the, the soundtrack is just awesome if you've never like if you've never heard the soundtrack get it um it's on iTunes. I can't think of anywhere that it's not up. So please go check it out. Check out the soundtrack; it is amazing. Um, they did a sequel in 2000. I really don't know much about it. Um, but there was a report in March 2008, which is kind of ironic because of the ep- of the episode that we have. Uh, Variety had reported that Paramount Pictures was set to make another animated film with David Fincher, spearheading the project. Kevin Eastman, who is the current owner and publisher of Heavy Metal, will direct a segment as well. Tim Miller, whose Blur Studios will handle the animation for what is being conceived as an R-rated adult feature. Now, that was in 2008. On March 15, 2009... The reboot was released on Netflix as a reimagined title, Love, Death, and Robots. That only had one season of 18, or actually, pardon me, uh, there's actually a second season going on right now. (laughs) No, actually, it's going to be released on on, uh, May 14th, so by the time you guys are listening to this, the second season of Love, Death, and Robots will already have been released, um, The running time is depending on each part. Uh, the shortest is about four minutes, with the longest being 16 to 17 minutes. And this has, as voices, Mary Elizabeth Win- Winstead, Gary Cole, Chris Parnell, Omid App. Abtahi, John DiMaggio, Christine Adams, Josh Brenner, Jill Tally, Hakim K. Kazim, Nolan North, Elaine Tan, Aaron Himmelstein, Samira Wiley, Stefan Kapicic, and Topher Grace. So, I think I'm gonna have to check this up this show out and see if it's any good. So. Alright, so now that I've talked about the movie and the kick-ass soundtrack, let's get to this week's episode. It is Major Boobage. The episode was aired originally on March 26, 2008, was written and directed by Trey Parker. So the episode begins at the school, where Mr. Mackey is having a conversation with the kids, and he's talking about how kids are... Trying to find new ways to get high. And one of which is choking themselves. So my first thought was... Are they talking about homoerotic asphyxiation? But they're not. It's actually choking yourself. So while this conversation is going on... Kenny starts to choke himself. And it's like... He does it for a little bit. Then stops. Does it again... Then stops. So while this is going on, Butters talks about how he has a cousin in Florida who has told him about how kids are getting high off a cat urine. And Mr. Mackey's like, "Mm, Yeah, that's not good, okay? You know, you really shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. It's bad for you. It's just really bad for you, okay? So then, after this discussion, they are at Cartman's house. And Cartman has Mr. Kitty in kind of, like, in this device. I can't really describe it. So Kenny is going to be the one to volunteer to get himself high. So they get a female cat. So the female cat is with Mr. Kitty. They're doing their hissing thing. And Kenny gets hit with urine. It's sprayed onto his face. And Kenny coughs for a minute, and then he starts to, like, go into his own world. And that's where Heavy Metal, taking a ride, starts getting played. So Kenny is driving a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, and he lands on this planet, and there is this woman with huge boobs. So, she then drives the car, and they go to her castle, and, you know, they're in the castle, and Kenny meets the king, and the king is like, so, you've seen my daughter's awesomely amazing huge tits. You may caress her in the fountain with soap, since you love it so much. So, Kenny is getting excited. He's ready, you know, the the, the the girl takes her clothes off. Kenny's trying to get his clothes off. And then you hear, Kenny! Kenny! And it's Cartman. So Cartman gets, uh, you know, Cartman gets Kenny, tries to get Kenny out of it. And it's like, dude, you are messed up. So they explained to Kenny what happened because Kenny's like, I saw this woman with huge tits. I saw this woman with boobs. And they're like, dude, you ran out of the house. You ran over town. You're beating people up. You're trying to rip your clothes off. So, after that has happened, Gerald turns on the TV to Fox News. And they are doing a special report on this new way of getting high. The, the cat urine thing. And they're calling it cheesing. So Gerald gets very worried about this and they basically have a town hall meeting and he comes up with a petition to ban cats. And it gets passed and all the cats get taken away. There's one little girl that cries and this DEA guy is like, stop your crying, you druggie. So then they get to Cartman's house. And Cartman, you know, is like, no, I don't have any cat here. Uh, we had to put it down because he was pissing me off, which is kind of funny. And I actually kind of bought into that because I'm like, oh, no, they killed Mr. Kitty. <laughs> so then after the DEA guys leave, Cartman goes to his attic and Mr. Kitty is in the attic. Oh my god, this is fantastic writing. So he's like, "Look, Mr. Kitty, if if you feel lonely, here's a diary. You could write a diary. Write in your diary." Oh my god. So Cartman has Mr. Kitty up in his attic. Does this sound kind of familiar to people? <laughs> So then, we go to school the next day. And the boys are talking. And they're talking about how, well, Kenny isn't here. He he said that he's sick. And they're talking about how, well, he said that he wasn't feeling good the day before. So Kyle and them, they're having this thought of, maybe he's, you know, cheesing. You know, he's trying to cheese some more. So they go... To Kenny's house. They bang on the door. It won't open. So they open it. And here's two cats. And Kenny is cheesing again. And he's like cheesed a lot this time. And we get Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar, which is probably the more famous version of the song Heavy Metal that's used in the, you know, being heard. So this time, the woman is captured and she's strapped into this thing she's naked but she's strapped so you can't see her boobs and they're kind of torturing her but Kenny comes to save her so she's saved and then she drives you know or she's riding on this bird with Kenny and then Kenny comes back out and there's just a stare and Kenny collapses And my thought is, oh no, Kenny's died. So, they then wake him up, and they're giving him coffee, and they're like, dude, you've got to stop doing this. This is going to get you, you know, terror, this is going to get you in trouble. And Kenny throws up, and Butters is like, yeah, there you go, there you go, just let it all out. So then Kenny, or Kyle decides, I'm going to take this cat. I'm just going to take the cat. So then we go to that night where Carmen goes up and he is with Mr. Kitty. Oh, that might be Mr. Kitty right there. So Mr. Kitty is looking out the window and he sees the neighbor's cat. And Cartman's like, oh no, no, I am not bringing in another cat, no. So then, Cartman, in a trench coat and hat, goes outside, sees the cat, and he's like, no, I can't bring you in. And then here come these two smaller cats, and it's like, oh no, don't make me do this. So, he brings them in, and he's like, okay, okay. That's it. I'm not bringing in any more. So now, we have Sheila, who is putting laundry in Kyle's room, opens the underwear drawer, starts putting his underwear and his socks away, when she sees a cat. And she freaks out. So, Gerald and Sheila call Kyle over, and here's a... Oh my god, this image. So, here... Gerald pulls out the bag with the cat in it and they're like, are you getting high? No, I'm not. I'm just holding it for a friend. You know, kind of the old like drug cliche of like, I'm not doing it. I'm holding it for a friend. So Kyle gets sent to his room and, excuse me, and Gerald is like, you call, you know, you call have them get the cat I'm gonna take the cat to the basement so Gerald goes with the bag and he locks the door and then he starts talking to the cat and we find out that Gerald has had this addiction problem before with cat urine he's been clean for 10 years he has just been absolutely clean for 10 years and he's like, what could doing it one more time hurt? What can doing this one more time, you know, it, it can't hurt. So, he takes the cat, straps him in, and starts rolling film of a female cat. And the cat urine goes on to Gerald. And then we get Heavy Metal taking a ride plate again. Where this time, he is flying a B-17G airplane. And... On the side of the plane, it says Jewish princess. So then he sees the, the lady with the large boobs, and we'll get back to that in a moment. So now, um, Cartman is, he gets a knock at the door, and it's this lady, and she's like, I've heard you, you take care of, the cats, you're not going to let them get hurt or anything. And Carbons explaining to her, look, I have taken cats from two other neighbors. I cannot take any more cats up into the attic. And then he looks at the cat and the cat has like these sad eyes. He's like, oh, okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. So he takes the cat. So Cartman goes upstairs, opens the attic door, is about to put the new cat in. When all of a sudden. Here's Kenny. And he is getting high off a of cat urine. And Cartman is pissed. You know. So now we have a bunch of cats. Up in this attic. With Cartman. Trying to save them. Doesn't this sound like something familiar? So anyway. We then go back to Gerald. Who is still high. And he thinks that he's about to, you know, rub the princess, you know, lather her up with soap and stuff. And then the king is like, no, you cannot do that. There is another young one who has the opportunity, and it's Kenny. So Kenny and Gerald are having this argument, and the king is like, there is only one way to settle this. We will have a battle at the Brestreria in Nippopolis. So now we have Gerald and or actually let me go No, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. So we have Gerald and Kenny, and this is where the third song gets played, Radar Rider by Riggs. So they have the battle, they're taken off of their respective rides, and then they each grab a weapon. And They start fighting each other and they are continuing the fight and then we see that Kenny and Gerald are fighting in public in a sandbox on a playground and the boys are a little bit too late to it and they're like how's this going and Jimbo's like oh this has been going for 30 plus minutes. And these guys are still fighting. And then Sheila comes in. And she's like, Gerald! Uh Uh-oh. So now we have this press conference. And Gerald starts off. And this is so great. Because I'm going to get into what this press conference is making fun of in a moment. He talks about how he's done wrong... And he's done wrong to his wife, Sheila. And Sheila's like, don't touch me. So basically, he goes on, talks about how getting high takes you away from your friends. It gets you away from your family, even though that big boobed lady is right there. And then Randy's like, yeah, and you never see her completely naked. So they basically ban or up or lift the ban of the cats. Now, that scene is a parody from Elliot Spitzer's uh, press conference of his situation with a prostitution ring. So, the story to this with Elliot Spitzer, the New York Times reported on March the 10th, 2008 that Elliot Spitzer... Then the governor of New York had patronized a prostitution ring by, yeah, had, prosti- had patronized a prostitution ring run by an escort service known as Emperor's Club VIP. During the investigation, or the course of the investigation into the club, the federal government became aware of Spitzer's involvement with prostitutes due to a wiretap. Following the public disclosure of his actions, spitzer resigned as governor effective march 17 2008 and what's so interesting about this is that if you remember the press conference his wife is standing behind him and she just has this look of you son of a bitch that's just the look that she has um and you know at this time um he was supporting Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination in 2008 but man when that happened it just went downhill for the guy um now this is where it gets kind of interesting spitzer and kristen m davis who is another madam caught up in the prostitution scandal but unaffiliated with the emperor's club vip ran for the new york city comptroller in 2013 davis won the libertarian nomination but later withdrew from the race following a drug arrest There was some debate as to whether or not Spitzer's name recognition would help him in the election. Spitzer lost the Democratic primary to Scott Stringer a little bit closer than I thought it was, 52.1% to 47.9%. Now, there is one other person that we should mention in this. It's a young girl by the name of Kristen. Kristen, 22, was an aspiring pop recording artist living in Manhattan whose professional stage name is Ashley Dupree. She was just one of the escorts that Spitzer had liaisons with, but she gained significant media attention following the scandal. After the news broke, she responded that she didn't want to be thought of as a monster and that it had been a difficult and complicated time for her. On March 15th, the New York Post published an extensive photo shoot showing Dupree in provocative poses. By late 2008, Dupree's profile on MySpace had received nearly 12 million page views. As a result of the media attention following the scandal, Dupree was offered a million dollars by Hustler to pose nude for the magazine and received unofficial offers from Penthouse, among others. She eventually agreed to pose for Playboy in the May 2010 issue <clears throat> so now the cats are freed and they are being given back to the owners and there's this one point where you know little girl's there mom's there dad's there and he's like hey Springler. You're not upset with us that we had to let you go, did you? And the cat just starts scratching away at the guy, and it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, my God. It just was funny for, like, no reason, but it just was funny. So then, uh, now that the cats are free, you know, Kyle and Carmen are... Carmen's like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to, you know, rescue any more cats, save any more cats, hide them in an attic. And Kyle's like, doesn't this remind you of something else that happened? Hmm? Does it remind you of anything else that has happened in history? And Carver's like, no, no, nothing really. And then they see Kenny, and he starts to sniff flowers, and Stan's like, look at Kenny. Kenny's getting high on life. And then he starts sniffing more flowers. And Kyle's like, Kenny's really getting high off life. And then he sniffs even more flowers. And Carmen's like, Kenny is really, really getting high off of life. And they run over to him, and he's high again, and they play heavy metal, and he's in the car with the big boob lady, as you see all of like these moons and planets with nipples and boobs. And that is the end of Major Boobage oh my goodness okay this episode um first off it is a big upgrade from the previous episode Brittany's new look much better this is a hilarious episode from beginning to end and I think I I, I think if you've seen the movie this is my honest opinion. If you've seen the movie, you will get more of the references in this episode. If you haven't seen the movie, you might get some, but you're not gonna get all of the episodes you know, all the references. But this episode is hilarious. I mean, but be- between the really fantastic job they did paying tribute to heavy metal, and the side story of Cartman Saving the cats, just like during the Holocaust with Anne Frank. That is one of the best written things I think I've ever seen with South Park. This is a phenomenal episode. This may be an early candidate for the best episode of season 12. And I know this is the third episode in. But this may be the best episode of the 12th season. I am giving this a 10. There's no other way I could not give this a 10. It is absolutely amazing. It is hilarious. It is fantastic. So we're going to get into a couple of production notes, and then we're going to get into the reception of this episode. Now, this episode took eight weeks to complete, which is eight times that of a normal episode due to the use of traditional animation in order to make it resemble the film Heavy Metal. The female object of Kenny's affections in the episode were portrayed by pornographic actress Lisa Daniels, live-action video of whom was converted to animated form by rotoscoping. Um, I talked about the songs already and the soundtrack. Travis Fickett of IGN gave the episode a 9 out of 10, calling it a terrific episode, funny throughout. Fickett saw the episode, which he felt contained more laughs in its first two minutes than in the prior two episodes combined, as a return of the series to high quality after a less impressive season opener. Fickett lauded the episode's ability to combine social commentary with the absurd references to the film Heavy Metal and praised the various great small moments in the story, including Cartman being oblivious to the historical parallels in his concern over the cats, Butters calmly reassuring Kenny after being vomited on by him, Mr. Mackey's realization he should not have mentioned how the cat urine can be used as a hallucinogen, and more. Major Boobage was the first episode to exceed a million views at South Park Studios. Very big honor right there. Alright, let's get to IMDB and see what they thought of this episode. Almost 3,000 people have given this episode a rating, and the average rating is an 8.7 out of 10. Over a thousand people have given this episode a ten. That's the grade I give it this week. Seven hundred and ninety-six people gave this a nine, five hundred and sixty-five people gave it an eight, and fifty-three people gave it a one. To break it down to demographics, over two over two thousand people or two thousand males have rated this episode. The average rating is an eight point seven. The highest demographic Is 45 and over an average rating of an 8.8? I'm not going to count the under 18 because only five people under the age of 18 rated that episode. 162 females uh, rated this episode. The average rating is an 8.2. The highest demographics, a tie between the 30 to 44 and the 45 and over crowd, its average rating is an 8.2. So I'm going to give my 10 rating right there. And we're going to read some of the reviews from IMDb. And this first one is from Tom Nell, who wrote, immediately following this episode aired, apparently, The season 11 finale felt like an older classic episode of South Park, and this felt even more like one. It had a message, but not much of one, and the episode was built just as much around the characters as it was the plot. In a strange combination, the main plot was Kenny's and Cartman and Gerald Broflovsky had the subplots. After Mr. Mackey tells Mrs. Garrison's class about ways of getting high, they try it. They decide to get Kenny high by having him sniff cat urine and Kenny becomes addicted to sniffing cat pee or cheesing. Gerald Broflovsky decides to make cats illegal in South Park and Cartman becomes hiding cats in his attic a la Schindler's List. Another good comparison there. Cartman has never been as likable and, dare I say, cute as he was in this episode. It's one of the few times he acts more like an altruist than a complete jerk. The episode is full of funny lines and has a very good plot. Hopefully the season follows this episode and not the first two average episodes of the season. Next review is from Alfredo Solis Fuentes, who wrote, If you didn't like this episode, you just don't like South Park, because this episode was one of the best ones ever. For the last three years, Kenny has been pretty much ignored by Trey and Matt, but this episode really shows us why Kenny is such a great character, even though he didn't die, which is weird, because almost every time they focus on Kenny, they kill him. Obviously, Kenny is the only character that can work this story out since he is the sex-obsessed and the one that has shown interest on drugs and alcohol before. The heavy metal parody was awesome and the animation was probably the best one in the history of South Park. Also, the scene with Kyle's dad and Kenny fighting in the sandbox was just hilarious and so was the end with Kenny getting high on life. The subplot of Cartman hiding cats in his basement, was actually attic, to save them, referencing the Holocaust, was funny and ironic because he is anti Semitic and is shown to admire Hitler. It also shows that Cartman has feelings. And the Elliot Spitzer parody was also really funny. I hope this episode is the one to win an Emmy this year. It really deserves it. Well, no, it did not win an Emmy that year. Although it probably should have because it's really, really good. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's go to Daniel P. 11, who wrote, All right, this was one of the good episodes. It shows the originality is still among the creators. The episode starts out with Kenny and a cat. Cats are nice, apparently. Very nice. And so are boobs. Great episode. Even greater considering this is their 12th season. Boob! Though all has been said on my part, IMDB is forcing me to write 10 lines of text. Now I tried for a little while to come up with something good, something worth 10 lines. In some way, you could say this is an opportunity to say whatever you'd like to anyone reading this comment. But you know, when you try to think of something worth saying, it gets harder to find something appropriate. So this is what you get. This. Alright, now we have a negative review from Streetballer whose title of this is The Worst South Park Episode Ever. I don't know if the guys are just running out of ideas, or if they're just phoning it in this season, but every episode has gotten progressively worse in Season 12. This is the first episode I would actually call bad, though. The storyline was jumbled, the message in the story made no sense. It reminded me of a bad, jumbled-up Family Guy episode. Everything is done halfway, and what wasn't done halfway just plain sucked. This episode is supposed to be a parody of some movie called Heavy Metal, which I have not seen, but after seeing this episode, I have no desire to see it. Half the episode was wasted on this cartoon Flash parody, and the whole idea in general was a complete waste of an episode. The Elliot Spitzer parody at the end just came off as contrived and did not click at all, and the side story of Cartman hiding the cats just didn't really fit to anything meaningful or relevant. Even so, it was the only part of the episode which was remotely funny. I'd seriously be hard-pressed to find any South Park episode even as close to as bad as this one, and it's the first time I've ever given a South Park episode one star. Try to do better in the future, guys. Um, was this guy high on drugs or something? I, I think I, I think he might have been high on drugs after that one. Uh, let's find a more recent review. Uh, this is from W underscore Big Nell who wrote, Who doesn't love Major Boobage? Unless you're more of an ass man, which is great because I love both. They should, do, they should make a follow-up to this called Major Boobage 2, now with more boobage. Uh, I don't know if we need a sequel to this episode. I think one episode is good enough. Uh, let's do one more review. This is going to be from S. Lyons Cricket Reviews, who wrote, I have come to cherish South Park, but if there's a criticism to make about the show for me personally, It is the underutilization of Kenny to the point where he is an object on screen, rather than a person with any sort of dimension. He rarely gets to engage in his own stories, and so, to see him get a story here in Major Boobage that is also actually the focus of the episode is fantastic. The episode also showcases the rarely seen sweet and sensitive side of Cartman, one of the most foul characters to arguably appear in all of television. His evilness is heightened by the fact that he is but a child in a cartoon series. Yet, here we see him harboring known fugitives of the law in his basement. Again, it was his attic after cats are outlawed in South Park after students were found cheesing over cat urine. Both stories work very well here. Kenny actually has plenty of great moments, especially one where he is discovered by Cartman to be in his attic cheesing over all the cats that Carmen had secretly hidden. I really enjoyed this episode, even if I feel that it could improve on a rewatch. There's a great side story with Gerald here that also adds plenty of laughs, leading to a great climax. Major Boobage is a classic South Park episode that showcases how absurdly people can react to the possibility of threat towards children, even if it means banning cats to prevent children from cheesing themselves. A great traditional South Park satire with strong catar- characterization and plenty of memorable moments. So for the most part, uh, with the exception of that one person, this is a very well-liked episode. And i it's very hard to not like this episode. It really is. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. You can follow the show on Twitter at SharksPond97 and, And you can join the Facebook group. It is Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. You type that in the search bar and you're right there. And if you can't find it, it's okay. I put the link in the description of each and every episode. Well, next time we're going to be going north of the border again. That's right. We are on our way to Canada for another Canadian-themed episode. It is Canada on Strike. That is the next episode here. Next time on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am Bill. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you all next time.